0: Today on episode number 847 of the School of Podcasting, I'm going to share a story where I saw the actual power of one person's influence, and it was amazing. And we've got Heather Osgood coming on the show. You might remember her from truenativemedia.com, where she's got a new website and a new way for podcasters to monetize, but we're also going to talk about strategies for growing your audience so that maybe someday later, you sell your podcast hit it ladies the school of podcasting
1: with dave jackson
0: podcasting since 2005 i am your award-winning hall of fame podcast coach dave jackson thanking you so much for tuning in if you're new to the show i'm so glad you're here this is where we help you plan launch and grow your podcast. Today, we're going to talk a little podcast monetization. And I don't mention this a lot. I wrote a book on podcast monetization. You can find that at profitfromyourpodcast.com. And we're going to be talking with Heather Osgood, who, along with her team, has developed a new way for really tired podcasters to make money with their podcast. And if you're new to the show, I always like to start off with it because of my podcast story. And I need to get my buddy Danny Pena on the show because he just released a children's book called "Danny Loves Video Games," based on a true story of Danny Pena. And I'll have a link to that out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com dot com slash eight four seven. And of course, Danny is from Gamer Tag Radio and been on the show many times. An amazing, amazing another Hall of Fame. Podcaster, but that's because of my podcast story, and I want to talk about somebody. I want to relate this to you, and it's one of the things that I just kind of naturally do. Is I don't care if I'm watching a football game or a comedy show or whatever. I'm thinking, how does this relate to podcasting? And so I do a show for Akron, Ohio. That's where I grew up, and that's now where I'm living. And I found a guy that basically here's his story. In a nutshell, at one point he was a homeless heroin addict, and now he's turned himself around and he started a, a clothing store. And his his whole thing is, I just want to give back. I just want to give back. And he had this guy start following him around and re- filming him at all these events because he would. Create a thing to give back to, you know, toys to kids in the middle of the summer and then a trunk or treat. And for Halloween, they give out a bunch of candy and they're giving away meals and all sorts of stuff. And I got to interview this guy for my local show. And here's the thing, he just wants to give back. And to make a long story, I already said this, right? A long story short to make a long story slightly less long. They made a documentary about him, the guy that was following around with a camera, and it's it's very homemade. But here's the thing, and I realize for all of you outside of Akron, this doesn't make any sense. In downtown Akron, there's a historic theater called the Civic Theater. It's an amazing theater. I'm actually thinking of volunteering there just because I love it so much. And I'll put pictures again out at schoolofpodcasting.com dot com slash 847 And they showed this homemade documentary at the Civic Theater. And I'm here to tell you this one person, the one person who just wanted to give back to his community, almost filled this thing. And it holds a lot of people. In fact, the bottom half, I was like, all right, this is a pretty good turnout for a thing. Well, I didn't realize all the cool kids were up in the balcony. And so I get out of watching the movie and I go out into this big area. Now, this was... I don't know, probably built in the 20s or something like that. It's huge. It is huge. And people are lined up to say hello to this guy. What's the point of the story? This was one guy. It was one guy who wanted to help another person, who then helped another person. Now they have meetings every Friday to talk about dealing with mental illness, uh, drug addiction, all this stuff. It's an amazing story and i was just like wow and as i'm standing there everybody there had a story or a connection to this one guy and on monday i am not going <laughs> to i'm not going to let this guy tell me no he's starting a podcast he has a, a a few videos on youtube but that's that's this is because without a podcast story and so i can't wait i'm just going to say look this, here's the deal I'm going to come interview you at least once a month. We're going to talk about your latest project and go from there. But my whole point is he doesn't do it for money. In fact, the theater, I go, I went there Saturday after interviewing. I'm like, I got to see the rest of this guy's story. And the, it was free. It was free for everyone. And renting this theater is not cheap. And yet I asked him, I go, wait, what's the deal why didn't you charge a a sticker, you know, a sticker price, a ticket price? And he said, because I didn't want any hurdles. He goes, I want to inspire people. I want to show people that there is a opportunity to turn your life around. And that's just, again, he just wants to give back. And so what does he do? He's serving an audience, again, bringing it back to podcasting, giving them what they need, which is mental help. They need uh to feel like they're not alone, they need food in some cases, they need money, and he's just a guy that's like, let me see if I can find somebody that can help with this. So the bottom line of this little opening story here is that's just one person. He started off just one guy, and he didn't have a podcast. Imagine what's going to happen now when he goes global. All right, before we get to my conversation with Heather Osgood, you might know her from truenativemedia.com. She's been on the show before. She helps you find advertisers. I want to explain this in a different way. My brother, my brother got all, I mean, all of the drawing skills in the family. Like I can do stick figure theater, anything above that. You got to go talk to my brother. And so consequently, someone might look at a... A drawing that my brother did and go, Ooh, wow, that's absolutely amazing. And then give him money for that. Now, if I draw you something, the number of people that are going to go, Ooh, is that a cow? And I go, no, that's, that's a car. See the wheel. No. Okay. Yeah. So they're probably not going to give me any money because they're not going to see maybe as much value in that particular drawing. And so Heather is, along with some other people, has started thepodcastbroker.com and she's really there. This service is to kind of go, hey, here's your show. Here's how much you, we think you can sell it. Because like for me, I have a weight loss show that I kind of just put out to pasture because I just was like, "Eh, I've done it for nine years. I didn't really lose any weight. I'm kind of done with saying eat less and exercise more. But there's an audience there, a, a fairly sizable audience. Maybe I should take all that hard work and effort that I did to build an audience and see if I could sell it. And so Heather and I are going to talk about how do you go about selling your podcast? But if you're like, well, I'm not going to sell my podcast, we also talk about some great strategies for growing your audience and for working with other like minded podcasters. Here's my talk with Heather Osgood. From thepodcastbroker.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heather
1: Osgood, thanks for uh, coming on. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm excited to chat with you today.
0: So what inspired The Podcast Broker?
1: So... Being a True Native Media, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of different shows over the years. And what I have found is that many people are wonderful podcasters, but they don't approach their podcast like a business. And because I've been on the business side of things for so long, I have had a number of shows throughout the year who have said, I'm tired of my show. I think I'm just going to stop. And I'm like, wait, Wait, that show is worth something. Like, you should be selling that. This is an asset. But at the time, there really wasn't an easy way for people to sell podcasts. Like, you know, of course, you've got the Gimlets and the Wonderies and, you know, these huge production companies that can get sold for millions of dollars. But the average podcaster doesn't have access to that. And so, my thought is, you know, we buy and sell all kinds of different digital assets. Why are we not buying and selling podcasts? And so, that's why um, I started the company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you think about it, all the time and effort it took to build your audience, this is a way to recoup some of that you know, effort. And you've done a lot of work. You might as well get paid for it in, in some fashion. What kind of prices are we looking for? I know some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to retire and buy a boat. And I'm like, mm, hold on. Just a second. What do you look at when it comes to appraising a podcast?
1: Yeah, that's been a really interesting job. And so we've had the company launched for about a month now. And I have been super excited about the number of podcasters that have reached out and said they wanted to sell their shows. On the flip side, I've been really happy that we've had a number of people want to buy shows, which has been really cool. But my job is actually valuing these shows and saying, okay, if you were going to sell it, what would you sell it for? And it's really been just super fascinating to see podcasts and the sizes of their audience and how much money they are or aren't making. Like I got one the other day where they're getting 7,500 downloads a month and they're making $186,000 a year. And I was like, you go, like I'm a I'm not sure what you're doing, but you are out there hustling. Um, But when we we think about selling a podcast, if you have 7,500 downloads a month and you're making almost $200,000 a year, that means you are really working hard to sell sponsors and do all kinds of things for your show to get that money in. And when you sell the show, you have to think, is the person I'm selling the show to going to have the capacity to put in that same amount of work? And so really what we're doing is we're looking at the show and saying, from a programmatic revenue perspective, if we didn't touch this show again, how much money do we think it could generate in the next couple of years? And so that's kind of really how I'm looking at the value. Now, of course, there are other things to consider as well. If you've got a show that's in a really kind of niche genre, that's going to be worth more than a show that, you know, is maybe you and your cousin making jokes. So it does depend a lot on the audience you have and how well developed the whole brand brand is. So, you know, certainly I've had folks who have come to us and said, I want to sell my podcast. And that comes with a well-designed website and with four social media outlets that already have followers. So it does depend on how developed the the overall brand is as
0: well. So you mentioned this has been going a month. So congrats on that. You're off the ground and running. Uh, who else is helping you with uh, the podcastbroker.com?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be partnering with Ben Richardson and Alberto Patella from um, rss.com. Uh, they really have an extensive tech background. So I'm kind of the ideas salesperson marketer here, and they're the ones that really have all that tech um, knowledge. And so we're really excited to build a cool platform that eventually you know, will be you know a marketplace where people can just even go on a website and say, oh want to buy that podcast, you know, want to buy that one, kind of put it in a basket and go. So we're not there yet, there yet but, um, you know, being able to partner with those two is really going to be, um, you know, an asset for us so that we
0: can build that. Well, so let's say I, I sign up. Is it free to sign up?
1: Yes. At this, at this time, it may not always be, but at this time it yeah. is free. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Because it. I'm sure it takes time to take a peek at everything. So I sign up, and somebody says hey i want to i want to buy the logical weight loss podcast and i go okay and we come up with a price that we're happy with how do you actually facilitate the the transfer of power or whatever the transfer of the show yeah, to somebody sure. else
1: for sure so um the podcast broker will take a percentage of the overall sale price and it depends on how much you sell your show for there are different ranges depending on the the amount but the, the seller and the buyer will work together. So we really, in essence, are the matchmakers. So we would say, hey, Dave, I've got this company that wants to buy your show and then, or a person that wants to buy your show. And then we would connect the two of you and we'll give you resources to use you know, an attorney. But that is something that you would have to pay for and, and work out between the two of you. So if you decided that you wanted to sell it and the buying party said, great, we're happy to buy it from you, but we want you to record one episode a month for the next year, let's say, that would be something you would negotiate. So the two of you would negotiate the terms, and then everything would go through an escrow service, which then allows kind of for the distribution of funds.
0: Yeah, it's weird. You're connecting with basically strangers, Mm -hmm. and then you have to trust them. So that's where the old escrow comes into play. Mm -hmm. And that whole 9 yards so obviously you're you're a month in anything surprise you so far either on the selling side or the the buying side.
1: Yeah, I think the very biggest surprise for me has been that as you mentioned about your podcast that you're kind of like, "Hey, I think I might be ready to sell this." And really the reason I created it was because I felt like so many people were tired of doing their shows and would want to sell them. I have been shocked at the types of buyers that are coming to us. So I would say without all of them, 100% of the buyers that have come to me so far are buyers that want the host to stay in place. So they are folks who are looking to build networks and they want shows. And what I find really fascinating is from the outside, I'm like, well, you don't need to buy a show. Like, just go find shows that want to be part of your network. But I think it's very smart of them because if you're building a network and you've got 50 shows and you don't own any of those shows, you have the ability, of course, to profit from those relationships. But there isn't the overarching value of the organization as it would be if you owned all 50 of those shows. So I certainly am saying that the buyers are wanting to purchase well-established podcasts that have a decent following. I I think the other thing that's kind of fascinating is that they want there to be an audience there, but they also want there to be growth, right? So they don't necessarily want to buy a show that's totally tapped out with this massive audience. They want to buy shows that they feel like, hey, if I purchase this show, I keep the host we redo the cover art. We, you know, maybe work a little bit on the audio. We put f- effort into, you know, the cross promotion audience development. Like, how can we take a show that is solid but still has some growth? And so I've been really fascinated by that because I kind of expected that people would want to buy a show and. Take it over, I think, for themselves or have the sh- the host go away. And so far, at least from a buying perspective, that hasn't been the case.
0: And I'm assuming this is kind of a, a silly question, but if somebody gives you like they meet your price, mm-hmm. but I don't like this guy and he's going to take over my show or she. Is there any rule that says if they meet my offer, I have to sell it to them? I still have complete control over that?
1: You still have complete control. Absolutely. So if you met somebody and, you know, maybe we're going back and forth on email and you think, oh, this seems like this could work out. And then you have a conversation with them and you realize – Man, this project I've worked on for nine years, you know, this person's going to come in and totally destroy it. I'm not interested in them. You could certainly walk away. Um, you have total say over the, you know, over whether or not you're going to accept or decline an offer.
0: Yeah. I'd be tempted in some cases to buy a show, like buy a competitor mm-hmm. and then redirect their feed, yes. but not everybody may be into that. They're like, Hey, I'm going to basically make your show evaporate, but I'm going to take all your listeners and point them at me. So that might be an interesting strategy.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I think has been really fascinating, you know, in terms of of surprises is I thought we would have more people who are not are not producing the show anymore. So I would say 90% of the inquiries I've had for people who want to sell their shows have been from podcasters who are actively producing episodes, because I think that you're, you're spot on in terms of audience development there is a lot that could be done with audience growth. You know, I mean, I think your weight loss podcast is perfect, right? I mean, there is health is a pretty hot topic. And if I had a weight loss podcast, I could purchase your show. I could redirect that RSS feed to my show. And suddenly I've got new listeners. Now, I would say that if that was your plan, probably the best strategy would be to go on the show that you purchased and say hey, excited. Here's what's coming. Yeah. This is this great thing that we're doing. I know that you're interested in this content and they could even negotiate again that you, the original host did a joint episode with them for a transition. But I think that there is a lot of opportunity to redirect RSS feeds, to create a bigger audience. And I do think the transition piece is really important, but there there's a lot there.
0: Yeah. I think no matter how you do it, there has to be some sort of handoff so that your audience doesn't wake up someday and go, wait, where's Dave at? You know, who's this Lori person or whatever? You, you've got to keep them in the loop just so they know what's going on. And and also that kind of gives, in a way, your stamp of approval. You know, it's like, hey, right. this person is taking it over. I trust them and, and your audience trusts you. So when you say, I trust this person, there's a little bit of a transfer of trust. And obviously there's going to be some people that are going to go, I don't like the new person. And then other people are like, oh, I'm so glad that Dave guy's gone. He was such a goober. So <laughs> it's, well, there's always pros and cons.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it really depends a lot on the content of your show. If you have a show, you know, Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting is Dave Jackson's school. And if it's now Heather Osgood's show, I don't know if people are going to want to listen to it, right? Because they listen for you. So whereas I do think that there are a lot of topics, and truthfully, weight loss is probably one of them, where people would listen to a show like that because they like the host, but they are listening for the content, right? They're listening because this is something that's near and dear to their heart. And if you're able to get another good host that's providing them with quality content, I think it's very sellable. So. You know, I you have to examine the content that that is being sold. You know, I keep using the example of Joe Rogan. If you take Joe Rogan out of Joe Rogan's podcast, what do you have? Yeah, you know. But then you also have to look at different TV productions, or even um, think about morning, like radio morning shows. It's very common to have them change hosts and add and subtract co-hosts especially. So it's all very doable. It's just about how you go about that transfer. Is there
0: a recommended size?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we look at podcasting, we have to think about the barriers to entry. So there really aren't a lot of barriers to starting a podcast. If I wanted to start a podcast tomorrow, I could use my, you know, smartphone and get an anchor account. And I'm sure within two or three weeks, I'd probably have 25 downloads. There's not any real value there, right? Because you, the content creator, didn't you didn't really build something that someone else couldn't build. So you have to think about it from that perspective. And if what you have built is something that it would take someone else time and money to create, that's why they would wanna purchase it. So I feel like between that 1,000 to 1,500 downloads per month is really where you need to be um, before the show is actually gonna be sellable. I have one that came in, and they have 1,500 downloads a month. And I was kind of him and hawing on whether I really felt like there was value there. But I don't remember the exact topic, but it was something around business. And it was a very niche topic. And I thought, you know, I, I think the topic and the fact that they have 1,500 downloads a month probably would mean that this was sellable. You know It's not going to probably sell for a whole lot, but I do think that you as the host have to say, well, what are my options, right? I can keep doing the show and I can keep growing the show, or I could sell the show and get some money for it. And even in the case, like, obviously we've been talking about this idea that someone might want to purchase your show and um, keep you on as the host. If you do that, you're then joining a network that's going to give you support. That person will presumably pay you to host the podcast. They might have abilities to tap into ad revenue and give you a portion of that. There's just opportunities that you may not have if you're working by yourself. So,
0: yeah, you had mentioned. I have to go back to it that there was some show that came on and they were making a hundred. I think you said one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, one hundred eighty-six. 186. Can you can you mention who that is and how they're doing it, or is that? Uh,
1: I don't know. I haven't actually talked to them. It's all been through okay. email. And when I've asked how they generated that revenue, they said sponsorship. Now, what I have seen is that the the smaller shows that make a significant amount of money. When I look at their show, the reason they're doing that is because they have a sponsor. Like one of them was an alcohol-based show and they would get these different alcohol brands, you know, like, oh, let's bring on this bourbon company and th- it's going to be like a sponsored episode. So the entire episode is going to be about that brand. And my guess is they're probably charging somewhere between like five and $10,000 an episode for that. Coming from the advertising side of things, way overpaying for really the audience they're getting. but you know you have to think about that brand and what they're trying to create. And maybe just having a really great piece of content that was created for their show that they can then share on social media or put on their website. maybe it's worth that. But the shows that are making a lot of money, that seems to be what they're doing is really um, almost more like brand partnerships as opposed to just advertising.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it always comes back to the niche, you know, how the more it is and things like that. My biggest worry, I, I am not anti-advertising, but this is a true story. Are there any current kind of standards for like, if it's a X X amount of show, X amount of minutes, you can put this many ads in it. Is there any kind of standard at this point or you, guidelines? You
1: know, um, it's funny that you should ask that because literally this last week I told my podcast recruiter, I'm like, okay, you need to create some guidelines so that when we talk to shows, we can tell them. Because <laughs> what we have a tendency of doing at True Native is when we have a show that comes on for representation, we say, well, how many ads do you want? And, you know, then they tell us. (laughs) And um, I'm like, wait a minute, these people are crazy. (laughs) We need to take a little more control here and say, no, 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 you really don't know anything about the space. Let me tell you how many ads we should have. I think, guys, there's such a fine line and I won't mention the name of the company, but we were on a hosting provider's website you know, last week, and they were like, if you've got a 30 minute show, you can have eight ads. And I was like, what kind of crack are they smoking? Like, (laughs) no, you cannot. Like, and so I think that there's two things to consider. I understand, and I am right there with everyone that we are trying to monetize this industry, right? We want to be paid for the work that is being done as content creators. I understand that. Number two, we have to think about our listening experience. And I still don't want to listen to ads, right? I mean, I still am tuning in for the content. I'm not tuning in for the ads. Now, I have had some lower back pain. And this morning, I was taking a walk. And the ad was, hey, if you're having lower back pain, let me tell you what you need to buy. And what did I do? I was like, oh, I want to listen. What did they buy? Of course it was a mattress, but still (laughs) I was hoping it would be something maybe just a little cheaper,
0: Right, (laughs) but,
1: um, you know, I, I tuned in because I wanted to hear what the host had to say about lower back pain because it applied to me directly. Right. But we also really have to think about the effectiveness of ads and the more ads you get, the less effective they are. And, what is the point of that, right? It's bothering your audience. It's not getting results for the advertiser. And ultimately it drives down rates because one of the things that's being talked about in the space a lot right now is share of voice. And what that means is as an advertiser, what percentage of the space am I getting? Am I getting a 10th of the space? Am I getting a half of the space? How many ears am I essentially getting in front of? And who am I sharing that ear with, right? And so I think that those are all really important things. So getting back to your point, we do have to be very cautious about how we proceed with advertising if we want to preserve the quality of the experience that we have today.
0: You made a great point. I'm going to kind of summarize. I don't think people hate ads. I think people hate bad ads. Yes. Like, you know, it's like if they'd said, just take this pill and the back pain will go away. You'd be like, wait, what was that? What's that URL again? Promo code Jordan. What? You know, so that whole nine yards. So that's a great point.
1: And you're the expert here. I certainly am not the content expert, but I also do think that you kind of need to think about the flow of your podcast. Going back to that show that I was listening to this morning, she had three different guests on. So she had a main topic, and then she had three essentially supporting guests that talked about the topic. And in between each of those guests, if she had had an ad break, which is what I think she pretty much had... It doesn't uninterrupt it so much because she was already, it was already a transition point, right? And so we knew we were going to transition from this guest to that guest and, hey, we're going to take a quick break for the transition is, I also think, different than, gosh, we're in the meat of this conversation and now we're going to stop, you know?
0: Let's kind of switch gears. If somebody, I know right now the big thing is using your podcast, you then basically buy ads on other shows to run a promo about your show. What is the typical ad spend for something like that? Or is that, I'm, I'm going to assume cause it is a podcast question. The answer is going to be, it depends, but well, cause it is every podcast question ends with, well, it depends on the niche and the things, but are we talking hundreds, thousands? What's the, what's the typical kind of spend if I wanted to start promoting my show on another show?
1: Well, it really depends.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: No, I would say that what I recommend is that you think about doing feed drops. So I'm I'm a huge advocate of feed drops. And if you aren't familiar with what a feed drop is, essentially, you partner with a show and the show releases a bonus episode on their RSS feed, which is essentially, um, it could either be a portion, a cut of your show, you know, like maybe a fa- five, 10 minute cut, or it could even be the whole episode depending on what you negotiate. And then the host of that show says, hey, guys, you got to check out this show. It's amazing. Go check it out. And then usually that is going to be in that person's feed for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, you usually pay like a $40 CPM. And I think that that can be a really super effective way to promote your show. And at a $40 CPM, I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking probably at least in the hundreds, if not the low thousands to do something like that. And I would say that if you want to just run ads, that that's probably where you're going to be spending. I I would say in most cases, you're probably not going to spend less than a thousand dollars to run ads, but I think that those are are good strategies.
0: Yeah. And for me, the part that just, you have to, again, it's kind of obvious, but be sure to pick a show where you share an audience because it doesn't make any sense to promote the heavy metal show on the knitting podcast that there may not be a lot of, of overlap unless grandma really wants to bang her head. Mm -hmm. Um, you know that kind of thing
1: yeah the other thing that i heard a couple weeks ago from one of our shows that i thought was a really brilliant idea is if you can find a show that will do a feed drop but instead of of doing a bonus episode they put the feed drop at the end of their episode at Mm. the beginning they would tease it so they would say Hey guys, there's this great new parenting show called moms are the best and stay tuned after our episode to learn more about that. And then at the end of your episode, you say, Oh, Hey guys, I told you I was going to introduce this new show to you. We're going to go ahead and play 15 minutes of that show so that you can get a a taste of what it's going to be like and head on over and subscribe to their show. That's a really good way to get um, people to actually listen because when it's a bonus episode, you may not get as many listeners. So I thought that was a pretty smart idea too.
0: It's it's right out of the pages of HBO. Uh, I'm watching yes. what whatever the latest dragon woman, whatever throne mm-hmm. thingy. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I said to myself, you know, I, I really miss game of Thrones. I'm looking forward to finding a TV show that shot so dark. I can't even see really what's going on. And they came back out. I was like, that's exactly what I was looking for. But they'll say at the beginning, Of course, they always promote one of their other shows. But you just like stay tuned after the episode for behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. And there are times when I will be doing something because usually when it's over, I'm done. And I actually watched one of those. And I was like, oh, I I should be watching these more often because it's first of all, half the people that I think are British or not. And half the people that I think are English have a British accent. And I was like, you are a much better actor than I thought you were. So that whole, hey, stay tuned at the end is a, a great strategy for getting people to check out something new. So,
1: yeah. And if you can find somebody to swap with you, I feel like that's the best because then you're not having to exchange money. So I think that's a really good way of
0: doing it. Any other strategies that you see people using that you go, Oh, that's a, that's a good one.
1: You know, I have been a very big proponent for many years of podcast listeners listen to podcasts. So as much as you can try to reach podcasters through other shows, that's a good way to grow audience. But I will say that we've been doing cross promotion meetings with our similar genre shows lately. And so it's been really fun for me because I get to hear what everybody talks about and what's working. And Mm -hmm. everybody says that TikTok is really doing wonders for their show. And so you know, I don't, I'm not personally on TikTok, um, but I hear that it's a great place and you do have to commit. I don't think it's something where you can just create one or two posts and then say, oh, look, I just grew my audience by 10,000. But if you're willing to dip into that, it sounds like there's, there's a lot of traction that's happening there.
0: If you want to sell your show, or if you have any questions about advertising, You can find Heather over at truenativemedia.com. And if you want to sell your podcast or buy a podcast, check out thepodcastbroker.com. Heather, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been great.
0: So again, just to for me, I don't want to inspire a bunch of people to quit their podcast, but if you're tired and you're just, uh, oh, I don't want to do this show. And it's been that way for a while, and you took some time off, and you came back, and you're still, uh, and you've got a significant amount of downloads, it's free right now, podcastbroker.com Thanks so much for listening. Next week, I'm going to let you know, because somewhere in this episode, you heard me say text blah, 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 da, yada, 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 and I'll do this thingamabob for you. And the reason I'm being very vague is I did that dynamically because I'm playing with a tool. And so next week, I think, in theory, that's going to be one of the most cost-effective ways to make it super easy to follow slash subscribe to your show. And, of course, if you have any ideas for a future episode of the School of Podcasting, I am wide open for ideas. I do this show for you. I thank you for listening. And if you're looking to plan, launch, grow, or monetize your show – I would love to help you come out and join the School of Podcasting community where you get unlimited access to me, as well as other brilliant podcasting minds, along with all the fun-filled courses and everything else. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Yeah. And because we're going to be talking with Heather Osgood today from the podcast uh, broker.com, that's not going to stay in. And so, if you're getting, I don't know, 24 downloads on an anchor show, I don't think it's time to put a down payment on that house just yet. That, that's a little harsh. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little harsh. I got fiber. I got fiber. I got fiber. Who could ask for anything more? Yeah.